Good afternoon. You know, every so often our lectionary takes a setting and a story and kind of breaks it up over a couple of weeks, just as they have done with this discourse that began last week with Jesus and his disciples and finishes up this week. So in order to get a better understanding of this week's gospel, we need to begin by recalling the dialogue and the location of this story. For Jesus brings his followers some 30 miles from the Sea of Galilee into the region of Caesarea Philippi to the base of a 1,200-foot tall rock terrace upon which stands a temple to the Roman Emperor Augustus. And into the side of the rock are carved out niches with statues and idols made to several other gods. And with this physical backdrop of false gods, Jesus then asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And it was Peter who replied, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. To which Jesus replies, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Conversation picks right back up this week, with Jesus then explaining to his disciples that he must head to Jerusalem and will suffer greatly and will be killed and on the third day raised. This brings an immediate response of protest by Peter that no such thing shall ever happen. As you heard, Jesus rebukes Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan. You're an obstacle to me. Wow. So how did Peter get it so right to where Jesus will use Peter as the foundation of his church, and then at the exact next moment, Peter get it so wrong as to be called Satan? The answer, and indeed our lesson, I think is rooted in the source of Peter's comments. So remember last week when Peter names Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus says that answer did not come from flesh and blood. Meaning it was not something that could have been derived from human thought. But was revealed to Peter through the Heavenly Father. On the reverse, when he protested about Jesus having to suffer and die, Jesus told Peter that he was not thinking as God does, but as humans do, and of the necessity to take up his cross and to follow Christ. So why the big swing with Peter? First, we find him comfortable with grace and glory and filled with heavenly insight, and the next moment, Faced with suffering and death of his friend, his human thoughts have the rock of Peter being called out as a stumbling stone by Christ. See, part of Peter's challenge was his own personal desire and expectation that the Messiah would go into battle and defeat the multitude of armies and would reign on high as a king wearing a crown of gold. But when Christ goes on to explain that as Messiah he will suffer greatly and die as a king wearing a crown of thorns, it fails what Peter expected. And filled with fear, Peter's response comes from his human emotions and thoughts. Can you imagine how much Peter's head had to be spinning? At first he's called the foundational rock and will receive the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And the next moment, when things point to a direction he doesn't want, 
He's called the stumbling block. He's told to get behind Christ, to follow him. And in following Christ, told of the necessity to take up and carry his cross. And that the disciples will need to lose their lives in order to save them. Kind of seems clear why so many of us opt to focus on worshiping Christ than necessarily following him. So looking at the full story spread over two weeks, see, we're given two different voices our spirit can be influenced by. There's God's voice, or what some call the inner voice, that feeling of sudden knowing, that gut feeling, which leads us to a knowledge that has us acting with unconditional love toward ourselves and others. And then we have our mental voice, the home of the ego, which is not necessarily governed by love and often influences our spirit to be unloving, encouraging us to dismiss that competing inner voice that we each have. So how can we distinguish between these two voices we're hearing? I think the easiest way to discern this is to take a look at how we approach situations in our lives. For when we find ourselves defending our truth, our world, deciding who's acceptable and who's not, centering on self-referential thoughts, then we're thinking as humans do, with our mental voice, which is most often triggered by fear. Fear which can be defined as the opposite of love, will often trigger that fight-or-flight response and force our, hard, our head thinking to take over, as we heard in today's gospel, which leads to building stumbling blocks on the road ahead of us. Now, one of the most common phrases we hear Jesus repeat over and over again is, do not be afraid. But when we find ourselves in a situation where we lead with love and care, and honesty, where we're no longer pushing others away from us to the edges where we feel that they belong, when we stop projecting onto others what we can't forgive within ourselves, when we take the time to, using the words we hear today, to deny oneself, which really just means give less priority to oneself, where we recognize every person without exception as a child of God, where we love by loving and heal by healing and forgive by forgiving, then we're listening to that internal voice of God, of the one who dwells within all of us. For this is the type of knowledge that only comes from the Creator. Perhaps Franciscan Richard Rohr summed it up best when he wrote, If you can trust and listen to your inner divine image, your whole making instinct, or your true self, you will act from your best, largest, kindest, most inclusive self. Rather than consuming spiritual gifts for yourself alone, you must receive all words of God so that you can speak them to others tenderly. If any thought feels too harsh or shaming or diminishing of yourself or others, it's not likely the voice of God, but of ego. If something comes towards you with grace and you can pass it through and towards others with grace, 
you can trust it as the voice of God. For we must listen to what is supporting us. We must listen to what is encouraging us. We must listen to what's urging us. We must listen to what is alive in us. My sisters and brothers, make no mistake. Listening and acting to this divine inner voice, where we give up control to God, to where we genuinely care for others, it all comes with a price, often referred to as the crosses we carry. But as followers of Christ, this is what we're called to do. For here we are in the middle of a pandemic where the majority of our public worshiping has been derailed, forcing us to refocus on our call to follow Christ, where we can't control where he leads us, where thinking as humans do doesn't work anymore, where our journeys are not void of pain and difficulty, but where we are drawn closer to Christ, who calls us to lay our burdens on his shoulders without fear. So I invite you to take some time this week. Examine where your thoughts are coming from when faced with different situations. Is it coming from your inner voice, a loving voice that represents God's help and guidance in your life? Or is it your mental voice which competes with God's voice and will routinely influence your spirit to speak and act in an unloving way? What we spiritually sense a natural love for is a divine guidance which we are all connected to, where we learn to give up soul control over our lives, where we are open to help each other in a loving way with crosses that we each bear, and where we freely surrender ourselves to that inner voice of God's abundant love.